My name is Vlad, and I'm reading Luke 2, 1 verse 7. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first census taken. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governing of Syria. All went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. My name is Brooks, and I'm reading from Luke 2, 8 through 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude from the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those who, the, those with whom he is pleased. Hello, my name is Madison, and I am reading First John 4, 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever has loved has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. <laughs> Great job, kiddos. I was wondering how to say that one word, propitiation. I think that's how you said it. Great job. Great job. Uh, friends, let's pray. Lord, we do love you and we praise you. We thank you, O oh Lord, that you would be exalted and lifted up in the things that we do and say. We are in awe that you would show to us that you are merciful and just, that you are sovereign, that you are holy and that you are love. <clears throat> so today, Lord, would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand? Would you help us to walk in your way? 
Would you help us to see your word and respond in faith to your word, to you, embracing this love? It's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. She was a lovely lady. In fact, everything about her life seemed perfect. She had the best job. She had a wonderful fiance. They were about to get married and then... Sad of sad, it broke up. They broke up. And in the midst of the breakup, she just went through a series of depression, trying to discern what was going on in her life. And then she met this guy. At first, she thought maybe she liked him, but it turns out he was kind of a jerk. And in the midst of of getting to know him, she realizes she was only superficially looking at him. And she discovers that there's much more to this man. And they get married and live happily ever after. Do you know what movie that is? That's every Hallmark movie ever. That's what that is. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) It's like Hallmark has this uh, corner on what love is supposed to be. But I want to tell you that it, it falls woefully short of the kind of love that we were purposed for. Uh, the type of love that we, were to, that we were given in the garden and that we broke when we decided it would be better to be, uh, uh, to be with God, or I'm sorry, to be like God instead of to be with God. When, when we broke that, the image of God is shattered within us. And the things that are supposed to be suddenly aren't. In other words, we would be willing to accept the small sliver of what love is supposed to be at wholesale, right? Like we, we have received that wholesale, like, okay, love, let's turn on Hallmark and see what it is. Like that We are missing a bigger point. The kind of love that we are invited to is different or rather larger in many ways. I'll identify a few of those. One way is that it's not transactional. In other words, if you love me or like me or give me these things, then I will love you back. The kind of love that God offers and also expects from his people is different. More on that in a minute. It's also not about relationship in this respect. This sort of love doesn't give love because we're related. It doesn't give love because we're friends. It's not about that relationship. The kind of love that is offered by God is love for love's sake. It, it loves because it, it is love, because God is love. And it's fuller and it's greater than what the world offers. I would say that there is a, a, a sliver of it that maybe we can look at and go, hmm, this is in a way that is kind of like what God has for us, but not totally, not completely. Like it's still missing something. And today we're going to discover a little bit more of what that means. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4 and also in Luke chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, you are welcome to look on your device. I would just ask that you stick with us. Uh, Don't go to other places if you have your phone or iPad out, whatever. If you need a Bible, we have some in the back. One of our staff members would love to uh, get you scripture in your hand. We think that the word of God is so important for us. It it, uh, contains within it the words of life and eternal life specifically. So we want people to have access to the word of God. 
If you don't have a Bible, it's our gift to you. If you do have a Bible, we would just ask at the end, you would return it. Uh, and if you know somebody who doesn't have a Bible, maybe this is a good Christmas gift to them. Just saying. All right. We are going to be in John chapter 4. And, and I, I want to say, 1 John, thank you, 1 John chapter 4. And, and I just want to say, we're going to see the love of God uh, come out in some significant ways. It's going to draw our attention to the manger, and then we're going to take some time in Luke chapter 2. But let's just jump right in, if we could. 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So this type of love that is being discussed is not a transactional kind of love. It is that love for love's sake. It is not a relational kind of love. In other words, I will love you because of our relationship. It is love because it is love. It can't not love. God can't not love because God is love. And and it's identified in this passage, let us love one another with that same kind of love, right? Like the love that we have received, we have a responsibility to give to others, verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. We recognize that this is our source, the, the love that we're like, I can't, uh, I can't make it up. I can't muster up enough energy to give the kind of love that is solely God's love to give. I can give perhaps a little sliver, a little part of it, uh, but it stops painfully short of the kind of love that God offers and consequently offers us specifically even today. Let's keep going because this love also uh, manifests itself. Uh, look at verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So in the ancient world, if you wanted to experience a God, a deity, you would have to go on top of a hill because most of the temples were placed there. They were hard to access uh, it wasn't just for anybody. It wasn't common. You couldn't just go to those places. Uh, and so you would have to uh, go to this mountainside. You'd have to climb up to this mountain. It would, it would cost you something to get there. And then you would meet with some sort of priest or priestess that would act as some sort of mediator. You were never going to get access to that God. But John, who knew Jesus, who walked with Jesus, and though he walked with Jesus. He was uh, the one who most closely could have identified, no, he's not God. He's just a really good man. He doesn't identify him that way. He says, no, uh, Jesus, uh, he is God. And he was made manifest to us. Uh, he showed up in human form and we had access to this God in ways that nobody could ever access their deity. Uh, that's a very important piece. Verse 10. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Uh, his son, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for us. Because there was something that happened when the image bearers of God decided it would be better to be like God instead of to be with God. And when, when the image bearers did that, there, there was a division 
for restoration to have to take place, there, there is blood that has to atone that. It's established in Leviticus, we see it. It's established in part in Leviticus so that in the New Testament, when it happens, we can see this, this is God. He did exactly what he said he would do. Throughout the Old Testament, it becomes clear that God is the one who is going to pay that price. And that's indeed what he does when he atones for our sins. And what that means is he makes us one with God, with the Father. So God comes down in the flesh and dwells among us. God doesn't just uh, stay as a baby, but he lives this life that is uh, dedicated to the Father. And then he gives his life as an atoning sacrifice that people could be made right with a holy God who has been called into his image. In other words, this kind of love restores us to who we were supposed to be in the beginning. The, The very purpose and function that God created for us. Let's keep going in verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, if he sacrificially loved us, we also ought to love one another. In other words, this love should be given to one another. That is not transactional. You earned it, so you get it. It is not just relational because, okay, because we're brothers and sisters in Christ, I guess I will give this to you. It is love for love's sake because that's the kind of love that comes from God that is given uh, from God to us, and it would be very helpful if we saw what that, what that love looked like. So let's keep going to verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides. He sticks close. He is attached to in us, and his love is perfected in us. But let's take a look and see what that sort of love looks like. Because it's not common. And, and if, if we leave it to ourselves, we're going to use examples like Hallmark as the perfect kind of love. But it's not. In fact, where I want us to go is in Luke chapter 2. In, in Luke chapter 2, we're going to see the birth story of Christ. In the birth story of Christ, uh, I want to suggest to you is a microcosm of all of Christ's life, of his, restor- his restorative work. Uh, not just to his people, but to all people. Uh, his, uh, his willingness to come and dwell among us, that we would have access. Watch and see what happens in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. The God of glory, the one who spoke and worlds were created, is willing to come down and to pee in, in a manger uh, where animals eat. Like, you talk about humble. This is humility on display here. By the way, this humility characterizes Christ in many ways. And in fact, I would say that it is also the very DNA of the church that there is supposed to be this humility that is willing to sacrifice um, a position to serve others. And we see that, not just in the manger, but, but don't miss what this is telling us about who the Christ is, where many will have to go to mountaintops and trudge through difficult circumstances and situations at great cost to meet somebody who may be a mediator for them for that deity. This God, 
he makes himself accessible in a manger. Anybody can go into this barn. That's different than the other gods. The accessibility of him. That he would come and dwell among us. Uh, this love is telling us something. That it's humble and that it's accessible. The passage continues on in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. The shepherds, that's bottom rung of, of the social ladder in ancient Israel. These, these are not highly regarded uh, people. And they're the first to have access to the king of glory. Verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. Verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. A couple of things to point out here. That this is the fulfillment of God's plan. This isn't the shepherds yelling in the fields, God, we need you to show up now. God, why don't you show up in a manger? If we offer you these sheep, will you then do this? Hey, if, uh, if I promise to serve you my whole life, will you show up? Like, nope, this is the work of God. Uh, God chose to show up in God's timing. God showed up. But then something else uh, becomes apparent. This is for all the people which is kind of a new idea. Uh, this was supposed to be for the nation of Israel, but this angel who is bringing this message from heaven to people, to the lowest rung, he proclaims that this is good news for all people. It's not just for the nation of Israel, but this is everybody. You and I are here because there was good news that was proclaimed for all people. Somewhere along the line, it was received and handed to us. This kind of love doesn't discriminate doesn't discriminate because of race, of socioeconomic class or situation. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't discriminate uh, because of political party. It doesn't discriminate, exclamation mark. It doesn't discriminate. It's for everybody. And Jesus makes himself available in that way. So we see that this love is humble, it's accessible. Uh, it is something that is God-given and God-driven, and it is for everyone. It's laid out in the very birth story. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. It's an interesting thing, born this day. God is present. Now, I, I know this happens in English, and it's easiest to see this way, but his name is I am, right? Like, that's God's name, I am, not I was, not I will be. It's not about what happened in the past, and it's not just about what is going to happen in the future, but God is present right now with us. In other words, I have access to God in the now. <clears throat> and to God, every moment is the now. He's working with Adam in the now, just like he's working with us right now in the now, just like he's working with whatever is going on or is going to happen in the end. That's his now. Like, he is almighty. I can't fully fathom it. I don't comprehend it completely, but I know that it's true. And he is present. So this love is humble. It's accessible. It's God-given. It doesn't discriminate. And it's present. 
I wonder what might be a good way to explore being present, taking this love that God has given us and extending it to others. I wonder what that might look like. Just kind of a challenge for you to chew on as we continue in this passage. Verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This segment of the kind of love that is on display here is one that is often overlooked. Perhaps it's easy to say, I can see how love could be humble. I, I could see how love should be accessible. And, and God displays this. I, I could see how it, it could be God-driven. I, okay, intellectually, I get that. I understand that it could be for everybody. I get that. I see how it could be present. But can we see how it is to glorify God that the kind of love that has been extended to us is the kind of love that gives God the glory. And this amazing God has called us into that. I shared this a few weeks ago and I'll share it again. I'll probably share it a hundred more times uh, in the next, I don't know, few months because it has just really impacted me with the, the amazing otherness of God. What do I mean? I mean that God is clearly high and exalted above. His ways are not our ways. His abilities are not our abilities. And we see some glimpses of this throughout the scriptures. In particular, uh, um, Isaiah chapter, chapter 6 and uh, Revelation. In, in both of those passages, what we see is the throne room of God. And in the throne room of God, we see that there are some angels there. And those angels are proclaiming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, Isaiah, is the Lord God Almighty in Revelation. And, and here's what I'm telling you about it. It never stops. Wait a minute. If it never stops, what happens when you and I pray? <laughs> God doesn't go, angels, I'm going to need you to just be quiet for a minute. I, I need to talk to Kenny. Uh, nope. He is fully present with those angels. And he is fully present uh, with my prayers and with your prayers. He is an almighty God. Uh, that in and of itself should be enough for us to go, Lord, I, I just want to give you glory. If you have that kind of ability, if you see the beginning and the end as if it's all the same to you, that you have orchestrated every moment throughout human history to put us in this place, that in this moment I could respond to you in faith. Like you have it all under control. You, you know the beginning from the end. You are a good God and you're not exhausted. Like the angels can continually say, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty. And I can say, Lord, I need you. And you're not exhausted in that moment. You don't have to pause one to deal with the other. You are able. And this kind of love gives him the glory and it's shared to his people. And his, his people reflect that. Is it reflected in our homes? Is it reflected in our relationships? Is it seen in the people of God? It's a good question. Let's keep going uh, back to 1 John chapter 4. We see this love on display in the birth story in Luke chapter 2. 
uh, we see it abiding and offered in the rest of 1 John chapter 4. Verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. So again, this is an apostle. This is one of the disciples of Jesus who sacrificially lived for God, who historically uh, was uh, abused for God, was uh, put in, into prison into a rock quarry on Patmos. And there, there are some other traditions that have him boiled alive. Uh, we, we don't know uh, the full extent of all of those. Uh, but miraculously, he lived through it. The point is that he sacrificially gave his life to this man that he met that changed his life, that gave him life. We have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Yeah, because he experienced it. And he wants to pass it on to the church. And if the church would be willing to even receive it and continue it today, the God is love. And whoever abides stays connected in him, in love, abides in God. And God abides in him. Let's not be foolish, friends. Let's, let's not buy wholesale this hallmark version of all that love is to the world. There is something greater and grander that is offered. And it's not just about rescuing us from hell, but rather bringing us into the presence of an almighty God who loved us and created us with a purpose. And if we are loved and redeemed by him, then we are, we are called into this continued relationship. And it doesn't have to end just because we leave church. And it doesn't have to end just because uh, we're at work on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, right? Like it doesn't have to end. It's continual that we abide, stayed connected to him. And then there is this invitation. We love because he first loved us in verse 19. We love because he first loved us. L let me make this suggestion. If the kind of love that I'm talking about is foreign, it may be that it's not possessed. Because here's the deal. I, I can't give what I don't have. And if I don't have this kind of love that the scripture is talking about, then, then it's possible that I, I've never received this kind of love. And I would just challenge us today to pause before God to like, okay, have I really received you? Because we know the scripture teaches that all who confess him, right? If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's not just informational. That is a lifestyle. That is a lifestyle of trust in this God who is love. Have you? Have you done that? Have you received Jesus as your Savior? The end of the service, there'll be some elders and pastors available uh, for further discussion on that. If you're saying, I, I need to know more about that. I don't know that I've ever really, really submitted to that kind of love. Let's talk. Like, the end of this narrative is that the Magi show up, right? And, and the Magi show up and they offer gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I wonder if today we could end with offering God a gift. Only not gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't think he's as interested in that as he is our lives. But I, but I offer myself to the Lord again today for his good glory. We're going to continue in our worship through tithes and, or I'm sorry, through uh, communion.